You're listening to the Into Dust Podcast, hosted by Joe Moore, presented by Valley of Sports. Joining today's episode, President of Nitro Cross, Brett Clark. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from No Credentials Required to talk to you about one of our newest partners at Belly Up Sports, SeatGeek. Yeah, live sports is great on television, but the feeling of being at the arena is a priceless experience. That's why our friends at SeatGeek are there to help you find the best tickets at the best prices. Not only can you get tickets to sporting events, but you can also get tickets to concerts, comedy shows, musicals, and more. Search for your desired event now at SeatGeek.com, enter promo code BELLYUPSPORTS at checkout, and you save 20 bucks off your first purchase. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. So how are you doing today? Yeah, doing well, Joe. Thanks for uh, thanks for reaching out. Yeah. Um, so we're just a few days away from the start of the 2023-24 Nitro Cross season in Jay, Oklahoma. How excited are you for the first event of the season? Yeah, we can't wait. It's um, it's not really been that long since we had our finale in uh, in Glen Helen, but um, it feels that you know those you know three three and a half months feel like an age. So we're uh, we're ready to get racing. You know, a lot has happened in our in our off season, um, and we're yeah we're excited to get back on the track. I think I share that uh, excitement with a lot of the drivers and teams as well. So the J Oklahoma track has been announced and it it looks absolutely insane. It it is the I think the I guess most kind of insane design nitro cross track that has been done yet. Um what went into the into the design process of it? Yeah, it, it definitely is. It's definitely the yeah, you know, sort of the most insane or sort of you know unique or creative, however you want to label it, you know, track we've we've designed. I think it's also it's a testament to what Travis and when we founded this this whole concept was really what we've been trying to you know to achieve. And obviously we've gone through two seasons now and plus the one-off events in Utah. And this is really our first built from the ground up track. And you know, I guess the thesis of that was you give Travis a a napkin and, and crayons and if you could design a track what would you design and and jason robinette and the team at mid-america uh gave us a you know a platform and a, and a blank canvas to go and do that and we're fortunate in that the elevation changes in the landscape of the of the mid-america outdoors complex just even added you know more complexity to to what travis already had on his mind um you know obviously he had an opportunity you know a couple of years ago to design circuit 199 in maryland and Unfortunately, that didn't come to fruition, um, you know, with some some roadblocks there. But, you know, the, the J Oklahoma, you know, sort of uh, landscape gives him an opportunity to to do what he's always dreamed of doing. And and this track will will be just that. Um, it's definitely not the finished article yet. You know, it's it's going to be such a such a groundbreaking sort of track as it is. But, you know, in the future years, we've got uh, plans to take it to the next level again. So is the plan currently to have the Jay Oklahoma track return past the season? It is, yeah. I think we've we've made no secret about, you know, here in the US, um, you know, having permanent infrastructure. It's you know, in, in this sport and so we're sort of trying to reinvent and redefine what the sport is, you know, hence sort of the rebrand to Nitro Cross, but you know, there's very little permanent infrastructure and, and Jay Oklahoma and the Mid-America track is, you know, it's just one of those that we're trying to uh, have as a, a fixture on the calendar. And we're looking at our schedule, you know, for date equity. You know, we want the same weekends each year so that 
you know, fans and, and, and viewers on our broadcast know that they're tuning in on the same weekend every year to watch whether it's Jay Oklahoma or whether it's Utah or whether it's Phoenix or whether it's Glen Helen, uh, they're watching the same tracks on the same weekends each year. So the schedule's 10 rounds, but it only features, I think it's seven unique events, six or seven unique events. What yeah, went into six, making... Six-event weekend schedule. So what went into making this schedule? Yeah, we. I mean, I think going back to the track piece, you know, we wanted to make sure you know, every event that we do needs to be needs to be special. We're not just doing races for the sake of doing races. Um, yeah, and we talk about sort of ten a ten race championship. Yes, we'll do ten races, but each of these events needs to be just that. Needs to be an event, and you know, we think there's a better way of achieving bigger scale, greater entertainment, a greater product by doing you know, fewer, bigger events um, and then making sure that we still have the, you know, the competition integrity with with 10 actual rounds within that. Um, you know, our, our plan has always been to, you know, is to like redefine what motorsports looks like and what the event experience looks like. And, you know, when we looked at our calendar, we look at, you know, A dates, you know, B locations and see what does that, what does that event look like for, you know, for our fans. And it's more than just what happens on the track. You know, these need to be, effectively you know festivals of motorsport um versus just doing a a race for the sake of having a you know a winner and a loser you know yes the racing is the sort of the you know the 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 core of the event but it's everything that goes on around that and you know mid-america is a very good example of that this is you know we're part of a week-long festival called the visions off-road festival and it actually kicks off you know early this week um and it's already underway and there'll be you know 25 30,000 people out there at uh, Oklahoma, enjoying everything from you know off-road racing to lazy rivers, you know, big pools, bars, steakhouses, uh, barbie downhill, you know, splash pools. It's a you know, it's a it's a carnival, and they're out there for a whole week, and and we're just one piece of that uh, that event experience. So, between this season and last season, the one of the bigger changes on the schedule has been. Most of the rounds, besides two rounds, which I believe is rounds one for sure, and I believe round eight. Correct. Yeah, it's you know Oklahoma and uh, and Calgary are our two single header weekends. All other events will be will be double headers. So what like what's going to change with the schedule between last season and this season? Because last season had the battle brackets, and then on the first day and then the second day featured the eats and the finals and semifinals and such yeah so we're, we're going to have a, a completely you know a reformatted you know schedule for each each event um and there'll be one format for a single header and there'll be one format for a double header weekend uh you know we've, we've been able to assess you know both last year with our with our single header races you know our battle brackets all the way through to our double headers and you know and even a triple header in in glen helen to round out the season but yeah, we you know, we've always said we're always experimental with what we do and particularly in these early years, you know, we're not going to lock in on a schedule or a format just for the sake of it. You know, if we find, you know, be that efficiencies or better entertainment, better racing, you know, we'll adjust the format. So this year we'll unveil, you know, in Oklahoma a new format for the single header racing. Um, and then we'll unveil a, you know, very similar, but you know, obviously tweaked for a double header format, um, you know, for the the race in Utah and, and the other double headers behind that. Uh, but our, you know, our racing and our formats, uh, you know, are going to change a little bit this year, you know, um, 
less of the head-to-head battle brackets on on day one. We'll still have battles, but they'll feature multiple cars and a different qualifying structure you know, to those to those races as well. So we're excited. Yeah, you know, we yeah you know, we're going to see how it goes this weekend. But um, we think it's a great format. Works for you know works for our drivers, works for our broadcasts, and works for the fans on site. So we're um, yeah we're, we're keen to sort of see how that all how that all goes. So last season featured a lot of close races and a lot of mystery with who's going to actually win, which is one of the fun parts about Rallycross in general. What was last season like for you guys from a championship perspective? Was it what you guys were expecting or did you guys expect it to be a bit closer, a bit more far apart? No, we were we were really happy with how it went. I mean, you know, it's the first year of these new electric cars, which is a you know a platform and a vehicle built from the ground up. So there's a degree of uncertainty there. You know, the vehicles themselves, the tires, the tracks. You know, every time we went to a new track, um, yeah, it was the first time. Yeah, so we were learning on the go, and you know, not everything worked, and we'll be the first to put up our hands. And when something doesn't work, and say it didn't work, um, and there's a few of those occasions. You know, and that's why we've made tweaks to to this year's formats and, and the schedule. But at the same time, you know, I, I don't think there's a, well, there's not many other series on the planet that had such competitive racing and the sort of the, the multiple winners and, you know, effectively everyone in the field, you know, was a chance of, you know, not only finishing a podium, but but winning a race. And I think we, we had, you know, multiple different battle bracket winners or at least people in the finals of battle brackets. We had multiple people winning races. I think it was, uh, seven in the end, seven different drivers, you know, one one a race, which is um which is unique. And it's, you know, I think not only from a from a fan point of view, but even from a driver point of view, it didn't matter if you're on the front row of the grid or the back row of the grid, that uh, you know, it was a it was a race. It's you know, unlike some of the other motorsports where you finish on pole position and you know that's that's effectively the race, you know, you get around the first corner. You know, in our race, it's you know just the nature of the sport as well. You know, it literally went down to the last lap on on multiple occasions, and you know, I think credit to Robin Larson. You know, he was clearly the you know the the standout driver last season. You know, every you know he won the first race in in Linden Hill and and won the last race in in Glen Helen and 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 won another along the way there in Phoenix. So he deserved his title, but it literally you know the fact that it came down to literally the last race of the season um, that the championship was still still on the line was I think it's testament to not only the the skill of our drivers and the competitive field, but also the format as well. But, um, you know, if you go back to the, the season prior, you know, Travis and Scott Speed, you know, were, were equal on points. Timmy Hansen won one point behind them, um, only settled on Cowdback. You know, I think since we've started this, you know, this series and this concept, you know, the racing has been great. The championship has gone right down to the wire and you couldn't ask for anything, anything more than that. And and when I previously talked to Oliver Erickson about track design and such, he he said Nitro Cross has one of the more unique track designs in that, like you said, it doesn't matter where you start the race because it's a spec series. So everybody's in the same car pretty much. The only thing that comes down to it is pretty much tuning and how many mistakes you make. And the tracks are designed in such a way that it's really hard not to make mistakes. 
Absolutely. I mean, the tracks have been designed and, you know, Travis Pastrana will say exactly this. In fact, I saw a, an email this morning that went to the drivers before Jay Oklahoma and, and he said exactly, you know, this is a technical track and our tracks are designed to be technical. You know, they may not always be the most flowy, but they want, you know, we want to upset the car. We want to challenge the drivers, you know, the surfaces, the the formats, the way the tracks are designed. You know, it it shouldn't just be a you know, a drag race to the finish line. It, you know, we've got to challenge the drives and we're going to, we're going to add jeopardy in there. And, you know, that's a big piece of some of the tracks we design, and particularly in Oklahoma, is the multiple lane right, you know, racing. You know, that if you take, you can take more risk, um, you know, and, and take a faster line, but, but you know, there, there is risk with that line or you can play it safe and, and take a different line, but it may be a, a touch slower. You know, we're trying to create that jeopardy and give, give drivers, you know, the, the chance to make decisions. And I think, one of the things I've really enjoyed, you know, the last 12 months is, is the strategy that goes in behind that, you know, yeah, it's about the driver, but yeah, there's a bunch of guys up in the spotter stands and team bosses and team managers that the, the amount of strategy that goes into this, because it changes. I mean, I, I think back to the, the race in Phoenix um, last year where the joker lap, you know, which is obviously normally, you know, fairly locked on. It's either a shorter or a, or a longer joker that changed throughout the day as the track conditions evolved where, you know, earlier in the, in the weekend, the, the joker was longer, it started to become shorter. And then by the end of the weekend, it was longer again. So, you know, every single heat, you, you know, there was that you know, degree of uncertainty. And that that meant that the not only the drivers, but the teams and their spotters had to be on point as well, because it's, you know, it's they've got to be on their toes all the time. So how much, like, how hard is it to maintain, to maintain the track uh, surfaces and such during an event? It's it's a challenge, not going to lie. It's um that's you know part of sort of the taking that you know sort of revolutionary revolutionary step with the tracks. You know comes the maintenance challenges, and as I said before, you know up until now because they haven't been permanent tracks, these tracks aren't being run all the time. So when we traditionally get back to a track, it's it's been sort of somewhat dormant for you know for a number of months. So the prep that needs to go back into that you know takes a lot of time, and then during the race weekend, it also takes time. I think it's also a reason why our formats are the way they are. And we've, we've sort of designed them intuitively for, for fans, you know, or at least, you know, that's our, that's our intent is that, you know, winners move on and, and losers go back into the pot um, versus, you know, some of the other series and some of the other series in what I'd call traditional rallycross. It's all about consistency and times and accumulated points and, and those kind of things. Yeah, we're trying to make it, you know, a lot cleaner that, you know, if you win and, and the, the, you know, the fan sitting in the stands or the fan watching on Rumble on TV is watching and, and the, the driver that finishes the line first, they know they're going on. Um, you know, we don't need them to go back and, you know, check their calculator or, or put it into a spreadsheet to work out which driver is progressing and which one's not. You know, our plan is that you see a driver cross the line in first, they're moving on and and that takes away the... Yeah, the variations in the track, you know, you always want to have it where you're only competing against the, the same people running on the exact same track at the same time as you, not worried about what happened, you know, 10 minutes earlier in the previous heat uh, where they may have had different track conditions or the, the track may have been prepped differently. You know, our our formats have been designed that you're only ever competing against the guys that you're on the grid with, um, guys or girls, depending on our classes. Um, and, and that just makes it a lot easier for fans to consume and also takes away the, yeah the the unfairness and keeps the integrity in the, from a sporting point of view is that it doesn't matter what happened in a previous heat. Um, and it just gives our, our track guys to, you know, to have that flexibility. They do a, you know, tremendous job keeping those tracks in line. And, you know, again, Glen Helen, we had floods, we had snow, we had, 
you know, power lines down, you know, in that event weekend, you know, it gives them a chance to sort of maintain the track for the best racing, not necessarily about creating absolutely even between the first heat of the weekend and the last heat of the weekend. It's creating the, the best track for the, you know, the next heat that's coming up on the grid. So you mentioned Glen Helen a few times now. Last season, it was the only event to be run twice on the championship separately, two different weekends. Was Glen Helen always the plan for the final round, or did that change throughout the season? We, I mean, we had options, um, you know, and we were looking at some other tracks. You know, at the same time, we, you know, we wanted to make sure that yeah, the finale was at a track that we knew raced well. Um, and Glen Helen, I think over the last couple of years, I think everyone remembers back to the the infamous sort of Scott Speed, Kevin Erickson battles, which, you know, one of the most viral clips that's ever come out of our sport. Um, it just races really well. And we knew that, you know, in that market, uh, we could, you know, A, have great racing, B, have a great crowd. We could go back to racing under lights, which was all, always our intent. Um, and, you know, and we knew it would work. At the same time, we were also looking at a couple of other options throughout the year and, you know, when the, the schedule changed around a little bit from what we initially announced and, you know, we're still sort of dealing with the after effects in some respects of, you know, of, of the COVID world with, you know, some of the the venues and the facilities and the funding, you know, sort of coming to light, you know, we, we wanted to have options. And when we looked at it, you know, a few months out from that, from that event, um, we knew that, the, you know, Glen Helen was the best place to, to host the final. And, I think we saw that on that on that weekend, right? Where three different winners across the weekend, the the you know the finale, you know the championship came down to the very final race and the very final lap. Um, I think that yeah that that decision was justified in the end. Um, and it's not to say you know not to say we we wouldn't do the same thing again in the future. Um, you know, at Glen Helen, Helen or any other track for that matter. Um, you know, with our finale, we've it's currently on the schedule as a TBA for, for this season. And, um, you know, we've got a couple of options, you know, on the table that we can choose, but for now we'll, uh, we'll keep those close to our chest and, and, uh, and make the decision, you know, here in the not too distant future. So you've also mentioned Utah a couple of times last season, Utah wasn't featured on the calendar for the first time since nitro cross has existed. Why was it not featured on the schedule? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a couple of things. One, you know, we were we we took a an overseas international voyage, um, you know, with Lytton Hill and and you know Strugnus in Sweden, and and you know we were planned to go to to Finland until the the issues with the track came about. Um, yeah, there was only so many dates left on the on the calendar on the schedule, and you know, with a market like Utah, you got to factor in weather and and things like that as well. Uh, you know their availability of the track it just didn't work into the schedule last year um and then the, the previous year you know we had a couple of challenges with the track you know around the surface and some of the dust and some of the holes and we just wanted to try some yes yeah, some new tracks and you know and see you know see what else was out there at the same time you know utah is you know sort of it's equivalent to our indie motor speedway for for indycar it's you know it's the it is the track the first track that we ever raced on you know i think almost every driver to a, to a man, you know, that raced that track was, you know, it was pretty clear. It's the best ever rally cross track ever built uh, in history. And, you know, maybe Oklahoma challenges that this weekend, but, uh, but, you know, we knew we always wanted to go back. It was just a matter of, of, you know, when, not if, um, and, you know, we're thrilled to have it back. I mean, the, the images of those iconic sort of gap jumps, tabletop underneath the tunnel underneath that, 
you know, it's not seen anywhere else in the world. So we wanted to go back there and it is, it's the birthplace of the Nitro brand. You know, obviously Nitro Cross is, is, you know, is the, you know, the, the sister brand of Nitro Circus and, and the Nitro brand was founded in Utah. So we're, you know, we're thrilled to go back there. We've got great partners. We've got a lot, you know, big fan base in Utah. And as I said, it was only a matter of, of when, not if we, we put that back on the calendar. So there's been a lot of drivers who have entered Nitrocross from other uh, disciplines within racing. Earlier today, because this is being recorded on June 13th, 12th, 12th um, you guys announced a NASCAR driver and IndyCar driver is joining for round one. Um, has there been any drivers that you guys have wanted in the past that haven't that you can say yeah we're, i mean we're in the fortune position and, and this is you know credit to travis when you know when he called it you know many years ago and said you know we're going to take over this space we can you know we can sort of reinvent motorsports and and sort of the the rally cross space so to speak um yeah he it was very clear from the outset like we're going to make this racing fun for the drivers. If it's fun for the drivers, it's fun for the fans. And I can say, you know, you know, obviously Travis has got a great network, you know, through all of our drivers, we've got great networks with, with different drivers, but you know, we're in a fortunate position where, you know, we've got drivers from all series, be that NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, rally, motor, you know, motocross, you know, these drivers are reaching out to us to come and drive. Um, and, you know, and we, you know, yeah, we welcome it. We've had some great discussions. There's some great names. We've had discussions with, you know, from from each of those series, and you know, we put any of those names on the on the grid, and they they'd make noise. Um, you know, Connor Daly obviously is our you know our latest announcement that you mentioned the other day. I mean, Connor's a good example. You know, we've been working on trying to get Connor into the series for about two years now. Um, he came very close back in in 2021, uh, racing at at the race in uh, you know in Glen Helen back in in 21 and and you know, for a number of reasons, it didn't work out that day. But yeah, you know, he's just one example of a, a list of drivers from all those different motorsports that are that are actually reaching out to us to come and race. And you speak to the likes of Par Bush and and Chase Elliott and Austin Sindrick who have come and race. Yeah, you know, Jensen Button, you know, come and race with us. Yeah, you know, it's all because they want to have fun. You know, this is a you know an insane race car. The tracks are fun. You know, they're racing alongside some of the best drivers in the world. Um, you know, and they're part of the Nitro brand and and as I said, when Travis, you know, created this series, it was about making the, the racing fun for the drivers. And, and I think that's, that's coming through. That's why we, you're seeing so many, you know, big name drivers from, from other series signing up to, to come and race here. Um, I know on the first episode of this podcast, cause we had uh, Oliver Solberg on, he had mentioned that you guys had offered uh, what happened there. If you can say. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, a bit like the schedule. There's so many factors that go into this. You know, one is, you know, is the schedule, you know, a lot of these drivers, you know, you take NASCAR this coming weekend is their only weekend off, you know, for, for most of the year. So it's, it's very hard to to find a block in their schedule. Um, you know, it's actually, you know, sort of going back to the schedule as well. It's, it's a reason why we actually race, you know, in for the most part in the traditional motorsports off season is, you know, we want to provide opportunities to those drivers to, to come out. And that's why, yeah, the, when we do our Phoenix race, you know, the following weekend we have our race in Phoenix, you know, same market as the NASCAR finale. And you've seen, you know, Carl Bush and Chase and Austin, you know, come and race with us because, you know, they, you know, they want to have some fun in a car. 
Um, you know, going back to Oliver, you know, specifically, you know, again, it's, you know, he scheduled the the availability of a seat in the car. You know, there's, you know, there's only a, a limited number of seats and, you know, to get into the car, he needs to sort of unseat someone or, you know, someone needs to come to the table with budget or, you know, there's a whole, fa- you know, range of factors that, that go into that. I mean, you know, we'd love to have Oliver Solberg in the, in the car, you know, Petter, his dad has also driven, driven our car now a couple of times at the race of champions and, and in some tests and, we'd love all those kind of drivers to join our series. Um, you know, and there's, there's many more than that as well, but uh, yeah, it's a number of factors, you know, you know, all the stars need to align to get a, to get a driver into a, into a car. I mean, Connor's a good example, you know, had circumstances not played out as they did last week, you know, Connor would have been, you know, racing, racing IndyCar this coming weekend. And as it happens, he's now, now in a seat, you know, in our first round of, of Nitro Cross. So last season saw a few drivers from the World RX jump into Nitro Cross, even for a couple of rounds, such as Nicholas Gronholm and reigning champion for the past four seasons. He's raced in World RX, Johan Christofferson. How big was it for you guys to get Johan Christofferson into Nitro Cross for a round? Yeah, I mean, we loved having Johan there. Yeah, you know, he's a great driver. I think that that's again, that's the the whole notion and thesis of this series. You know, we want the best drivers in the world. You know, in you know, in our series, um, doesn't matter where they come from, whether that's a you know a NASCAR and IndyCar, a Formula One, a you know another rally series, off road, whatever it is. You know, we want those drivers in the car. So Johan was great. You know, he um, you know he loved the car. You know, obviously his driving skill was fantastic. You know, he went from you know, as we said before, the back row of the grid to to a podium, which was which was great to see. You know, his skill sort of is, is all there to see. But you know, he's just a good example of you know we've been speaking with Johan and and his dad Tommy for for years now about being involved with our series. So you know, it was great to finally have him in the car, and um, you know, I think he enjoyed his time you know time on the grid. So last season saw Nature Cross go international for the first time. This season has no international rounds. Um, why was that change made? Yeah, I mean, I think if we're honest, we probably went international a little too soon. Um, you know, we we make no secrets, and this is coming from the guy with the Australian accent, but we're in a we're an American series, you know, and we're sort of the the you know the preeminent electric racing series, you know, not, not only in the world, but, you know, really the only electric based racing series in, in the U S market. Um, you know, our, our core brand, the Nitro Circus brand was, was a U.S. born uh, property and, and we've got a huge fan base here. And you know, we just thought that short term, you know, we want to capitalize and and really own this U S market, you know, be a U.S. based racing series. You know, we see a, we see a gap in the market and and we're looking to, yeah, to to take that take that position, and you know we um you know we will go back international at some point in time. It's just a matter of, of again of when, not if. Um, and you know I've got a long list of of tracks and markets that are you know and, and governments that are trying to bring us into their into their international markets, and and we will go there. You know when it makes sense. Um, you know at the moment we you know we've got obviously new investors on board. Um, we've got you know new branding, we've got new formats. You know, we we want to you know solidify what we're doing here and make the most of you know what we've got, um, which is a huge opportunity, huge market, and uh, and then at the right time we'll you know, we'll take our uh, our exploits overseas again. So last season would also see Nitro Cross go onto snow and ice for 
the first time with two rounds, one in Quebec, one in Calgary, Alberta. Why was Calgary selected to return the season and not uh, 12 RBA? Yeah, I mean, both were great events. You know, they were both, we had sellout crowds in both markets. Um, you know, when we mentioned before about the, you know, the schedule and going to six events, you know, we now have six event weekends. And, you know, when you have, you know, two ice race markets, you know, in, you know, in a, in a six event calendar, it's just, it, it's too many. You know, so on the balance, we need to find, you know, we thought, you know, we wanted to keep an ice race. You know, I think the, you know, said two sellout markets, you know, prove that the concept works. Um, but we, you know, we only had capacity for one, one of those. And, you know, Calgary with, you know, the 20,000 plus people in the, you know, in the grandstands each night and, you know, and the, the reaction to that market, it, uh, you know, just seemed to work for us. It was the, it was the the right decision. That said, I mean, Trois-Rivières was a phenomenal market. I think all the drivers had a great time there. The track was great. The, the you know, the hospitality was great, but, we, you know, we made the decision to go with Calgary. Also, the dates of the track work. You know, again, when we talked about date equity before, we're on the weekend between the, you know, the uh, divisional playoffs and the and the, you know, the Super Bowl. So there's not a ton of sport going on that weekend. A bit like this weekend with the, you know, the NASCAR off weekend. So we're trying to find dates that work, and that weekend in Calgary is is you know is our preference there on the calendar. Um. So last year, the Calgary event was taken off of the championship, like taken off of the championship round due to track conditions being less than what was expected. I was one to expect it to be brutally cold that weekend because normally in Alberta, it is minus 40. I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit, but in Alberta during that week, um, so the conditions that we can kind of, I think, put everybody to shock. They did. Yeah. I mean, we, I stood there on the, on the Wednesday and the Thursday and it was, it was bone chilling cold and, you know, the track was in great conditions and, and you literally, we woke up on the, on the, you know, I think it was the Saturday morning and you, you could see the Chinook coming over the, you know, over the Rockies. And it was, it was just one of those moments you knew that, you know, you know the weather gods weren't on our side and and we had to make adjustments to the you know to the to the schedule i think that's what you know makes us unique as well right we, you know we're not going to put on a race for championship points that damages the integrity of the of the racing um you know it's not fair for all the competitors and and that's what we were seeing the the variation in track conditions throughout the day were just so so great um that it was you know it was a a, a safety issue but also just from a from an integrity point of view and i think it's it's a great um great credit to all our drivers and our teams you know motorsports is expensive but everyone knew that we had twenty thousand people in the stands and you know everyone all right let's go and put on a show and i think you know in some respects some of the racing was was as competitive and as good as as our point scoring rounds but you know we we made the decision up front and all the drivers are on board with that and the teams are on board with that and and the show was fantastic um, and the racing was great and and it gave us a chance to try you know there's not not very many you know motorsports that have done racing on on ice and with a you know thousand horsepower vehicle on on a non traditional motorsports track, you know it's a it's a horse racing venue or you know rodeo venue in some respects. So we you know it was unique and there's there was learnings from that event. But um, the show was great. The you know the racing for what it was 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 fantastic. Um, you know and we're we're excited to go back there this year. So last season, what was your favorite round of last season? 
I'm like a proud father that I actually don't pick favorites. They were all, they were all favorites to me. It's like, you know, and all in their, in their unique ways. You know, I think, you know, I go back to Lytton Hill, you know, that was a great event because, you know, the challenges again, coming out of, you know, COVID and battery deliveries and all the sorts of things that we, we encountered to get the, the cars on the grid for the first race. Um, you know, even, even the days leading in and the issue, you know, and the, the accident with Kevin Erickson and everything that could potentially go wrong with that event, you know, basically did go wrong and we, and we, we got through it and, you know, we had a great race and, you know, and Robin, you know, Robin won that race and and sort of kicked off his championship run, you know, right there in Lytton Hill. And as you went through the season, everything, you know, we continue to take the next step up and, you know, we had some learnings and, you know, we had some challenges, you know, shipping logistics, getting from, you know, Europe into, into ERX, you know, created some challenges. And then, you know, obviously we had the, you know, the big, the big crashes, the Fraser McConnell and Andreas Bakarud crashes and, you know, coming overcoming those and sort of seeing how these cars rebounded from, you know, insane crashes like that you know there were so many learnings and so many sort of proud moments and you know I mentioned before calgary where the you know where the drivers came together they could have easily said that's it you know races off um so and then you know the way we finished the finale and you know in in glen helen and some of the racing in phoenix with the nascar guys coming in i, I really as i said i i'm like a like a proud father i don't have a favorite child i, I, I mean i like them all for you know for what they are is there any track specifically that you can name that you would like to see added onto the Nitro Cross calendar? I wouldn't say it's necessarily like tracks that sort of pre-existing because I think we, you know, wherever we go, we want to bring our own sort of Nitro flair and flavor to it. So, um, you know, we want to go to different markets, but, you know, we want to sort of do what we've done here with with Jack Oklahoma where we can, where we we create and and, and create a a facility and a venue and a track that you know is befitting of of our sport and our product. You know, we as I said, we've moved away from traditional rally cross because those tracks, the prescriptions and everything around that don't fit what our sport is. Um, you know, we're a different sport from traditional rally cross. So we um you know there's definitely markets we want to get into and you know we've made no secret that we you know we need to find some more East Coast presence. Um you know we've got a couple of options on the table there. But wherever we go, uh, we you know we have to do it right. We have to do it well, um, and we have to do you know just what we're doing here in Oklahoma. We need to, you know build and design tracks that that a excite the drivers, b you know entertain and excite the fans, and and provide great event experience. It's one thing to have a you know, have a great track, but if it's not accessible for the fans or it doesn't create a great event experience, or there's you know no accommodations or you know or, or transport's difficult. And it doesn't really you know, check the box. Um, likewise, we could have a great location, and and the track is is sort of boring, and there's no passing, and you know it's not entertaining for the fans. So we you know we've got to look at a whole matrix of things when we pick markets. Um, and uh, so I wouldn't say it's a, a track specifically we want to go to, but it's a you know it, there's markets that we want to identify and you know and attack certain markets. So you mentioned East Coast. I know when Oliver Erickson was on, he had mentioned about there's a rumor involving like Tampa. You guys have went to Florida before. Um, is that a potential option for you guys? Yeah, Florida's an option. Um, you know, Tampa and, and other markets in, in Florida. Um, you know, we've got active discussions with you know with numerous markets there. Um, you know, and we've also got, you know, right up the, the eastern seaboard. Um, we've got We've got multiple discussions with different tracks, you know, both for, you know, as soon as the end of this season, all the way through to the 
to the future as well. Um, I think you've also seen, you know, in take NASCAR as an example, where you know what you know Dale Junior's done, you know North North Wilkesboro and places like that, where you know we're trying to work with you know Travis and you know some of our drivers. You know, how do we uncover you know locations that you know that may suit a track, and also then bring character and that get people like emotionally invested in those locations versus just renting out any motorsports facility and saying. Yeah, we're going to take it straight away, throw some dirt in the middle, and say, "There you go. There's a rallycross track." That's just not what we do. Um, so I think we're yeah, we're going to try and find you know unique locations. And I think you know it's a credit to motorsports generally at the moment. I think everyone's trying to you know trying to innovate and 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 sort of experiment. You know, credit to you know Ben Kennedy and the guys at, at NASCAR with some of the they got the Chicago Street Race coming up. They've done the Clash at the Coliseum. They went back to North Wilkesboro. They've done a great job of of reinventing there their format um you know at the same time you know just saw on the weekend indica you know with their detroit race you know back in the in the streets of detroit yeah there's some some great races there as well so you know we're going to try and be creative i mean same thing again yeah i sort of defer back to to trav here you know travis has got got wild ambitions and and we're right behind that and you know when you talk florida we've got some crazy ideas that you know maybe don't even involve you know racetracks themselves you know we you know you can sort of I'll let people sort of keep guessing at what they could be, but um, you know, we want to be you know as experimental and ambitious as we can with you know with what we do with tracks and locations. So, how much of a creative input does Travis have on track design? I mean, he is our lead track designer. I mean, if you actually ask Travis, he's his first job is track design. His second job, you know, job is driver. Um, yeah, you know, he it's it's something he's very passionate about and can be very good at as well. Um, he, you know, and I, uh, I sort of half joked before about his napkin drawing. Um, you know, I've got a I've got a drawer full of napkin drawings from over the years at Nitro Circus and Nitro Rallycross of you know tracks that Travis has designed and and the way he thinks about designing tracks is different to anything I've ever seen in my career or just designing anything for that matter. Um, yeah, he really thinks about it from you know what's going to excite the drivers, what's going to excite the fans. You know, how do we lay this out? What creates the best racing? He's a you know he's a you know unique and you know and, and special special sort of character. You know, and there's only a few people who have got that creative mindset to be able to do that. And uh, you know, he's he's done a phenomenal job. But he's he's actively involved day to day on the track side. So, how much stress is it on Travis during a weekend? Do you know, especially considering he does a lot with, like you said, track design, but he's also a driver. And I honestly don't know how he does it. To be honest, you know, he's a, and I've been fortunate enough to work with Trav now for for over a decade on on numerous properties and projects, from Nitro Circus to Evil Live to you know pit bikes and everything in between. You know, he's a, you know, he's a he's a unique. Uh, individual um you know he's he's drive you know his drive for sort of perfection you know for to be unique to be creative to be the best is you know he's unparalleled i've never seen anything like it in in any of sort of sports that i've been involved in over the years um but he takes on a lot every weekend you know and you think about it he's the driver he's the track designer you know he's he's the mentor as well you've got we have a lot of these guys turn up to the the track for the first time and they see a 120 foot gap jump and you know, he's the guy that's got to coach them through that. So, yeah, he takes the responsibility of taking every jump first. So he's the guy setting the speeds, giving them the angles, sharing his data, you know, which is a, you you think competitively, you wouldn't want to share your data from your, you know, from your driving. Travis is the first one of, of sharing that with drivers to make sure that they're all comfortable. 
Uh, and then he's yeah, then he's the promoter. Then he's the TV talent. Yeah. Then he's out signing autographs. He's the last person to leave the venue until everyone's had a had an autograph signed. I mean, there's there's not many individuals in in sports and media entertainment that uh, you know take on what he does and sort of and and has always got a smile on his face doing it as well. So I mean, I yeah, you know, I couldn't ask for a better partner in you know in this in this series. And yeah, you know, and I think he he's he's energized at the moment. You know, we've got a lot of ambitious plans over the coming years, and uh, and he's. Yeah, he's he's pretty revved up right now. So, how did your role in Nitro Cross come about? My role? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, I spent I've been with Nitro Circus now for and, and Thrill One, our and our parent company for you know for over ten years. So, spent a long long time in Nitro Nitro Circus and you know uh, running the sort of commercial programs. Um, you know, and media rights and everything over there for for a number of years, and then when Travis called, it was actually, ironically, you know, I was walking into a, a Christmas lunch with with our partners at Yokohama, um, who had been asking us to be into four wheel motorsports for a long time, and and we always had talked about being in four wheel motorsports for a long time. You know, Travis and I, and he called and said we need to take over, you know, Rallycross, and it was at the time when GRC was going away and. And we just saw an opportunity. So we were in Detroit at the Detroit Auto Show, you know, early January one year and uh, we're meeting with the teams. And next thing you know, we were we were launching a, a race, which was originally part of obviously Nitro World Games as a as a one-off for the first two years. And then we uh, we just identified an opportunity. You know, as I said, we always thought there was a space in the four-wheel motorsports, you know, to do something unique and different and and reinvent the sport. And and over the last few years and you know, again, COVID got in the way there and delayed us just a little bit. But um, you know, of those years we've been we've been working through that project and and sort of Nitro Cross is really the you know, the beginning of what we sort of envisage there. I think, you know, we've the last couple of years have been as great as they've been and some of the entertaining racing, we're really only getting started. You know, we're about to take the the next step and you know, we we talk about this being the you know, we're on the starting line now. We're you know, we're not we're not even we haven't even got going with what our vision and our you know, our plans are for this series. So we've got great, great investment behind us, great partners, um, you know, great drivers, great teams, um, you know, great manufacturers, the guys at First Corner and, and OMSE have done a great job building a great car. So we think we've got all the components there, um, you know, to, to, to make this as big as it should be. And uh, as I said, we're just about to get started. So this off-season Nitro Rally Cross would change to Nitro Cross. Um, how big was that name change for you guys? It's always something we we sort of talked about. You know, we we stepped into the rallycross space because that's sort of what it was. Uh, you know, when when GSC was here and uh, you know the short short lived ARX and obviously the the World Rallycross Series. Um, that was the traditional space, and that you know we we adopted those cars and uh, you know in some respects the formats, but. The reality was, you know, our vision was to be completely different to to those sports, and and really the name change and the and the the branding change is just you know an acknowledgement of we are a different sport. We're not rallycross. Um, you know, we're born out of rallycross, absolutely, and and you know we want to you know sort of pay homage and sort of be respectful of that's where it came from. But this is a new sport, and you know I say that in that our cars are different they don't fit any of the traditional regulations our tracks are different they don't fit the regulations our formats are different they don't fit any of the regulations this is a new sport you know and and Nitro Cross is just the beginning of that and Travis often talks about you know this is 
this is motocross with a cage. And, you know, that sort of also weighs in here. Nitrocross is that perfect sort of mixture between, you know, the Nitro Circus brand, which is all about entertainment and, you know, and sort of, and having fun and, and that irreverence with, you know, the, the cross being the rallycross and the motocross, you know, sort of basis, you know, the sport or the, the brand has come from. Um, I know when I talked to Oliver Erickson, he had mentioned his dream track kind of was in Las Vegas because he really enjoyed that track when it was on the GRC calendar. Would you guys be open to doing something like the GRC did with having a track at the Las Vegas Strip if they gave you the opportunity? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh... You know, we um, we've had a lot of discussions about Las Vegas as a market we like. Obviously, you know we're not we're not the only ones as well, right? You know, you look at all the major leagues here in the US are tapping into that into that Las Vegas market. Formula One, you know, obviously the yeah you know, the NASCAR guys have been there for a long time. So we're absolutely um, you know interested in the Las Vegas market. You know, I, I, it would go you know be remiss of me not to mention obviously our our investors are Las Vegas based. Uh, as well so you know there's a lot of a lot of connections to the las vegas market and you know at the end of the day we're an entertainment product and you know las vegas is the entertainment capital of the world so i don't think it's you know too outlandish to say that you know there'll be a nitro cross stop in las vegas you know in the in the future i know you had mentioned earlier that you guys would go back international when it made sense for you guys would you guys have any interest in going to australia well, as an Australian, yeah, the answer would be absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I think, you know, we've shown with our Nitro Circus brand, you know, Australia is is arguably pound for pound our one of our most successful markets in the world. Um, and, you know, we've had we've had a lot of success with that brand down there. Travis is a very popular figure down there. You know, and, and motorsports generally is is very popular. You know, supercars has, has done a great job in that market over a number of years as well. So, yeah, Australia is absolutely on the radar, um, you know, and I can, you know, there's active negotiations and discussions around, you know, potential races in Australia. You know, again, not, you know, will, will you see it on the calendar this year? No, but, you know, will you see it in the future? You know, I'd like to think that there's a there's a stop in, in Australia down the line for sure. So we talked earlier about how your role came about. What is exactly your role as president of Nitro Rallycross or Nitro Cross? Yes, I might say just... Yeah, you know, I'm the guy who's got to try and find a way to pay for all of uh, you know Travis's wild ideas. Um, that's the uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to summarize it. But um, but in reality, it's yeah, you know, yeah. My job is you know is to be you know a, you know a sort of a curator, I guess, or you know someone to sort of shepherd through like the vision of Travis. Uh, you know, make sure that it's a commercial success. You know, make sure that the teams are you know are all satisfied, and you know, and their investment in the series is you know, is being returned, um, you know, both short-term and long-term. Um, but and I, I'm working lockstep with a, you know, with a great team. You know, obviously, Travis, you know, is heavily involved in that. You know, our, our investment partners are heavily involved in that. And, you know, and we've got a really great staff at our, um, you know, at our disposal here at, uh, at Thrill One. And, you know, it's not, it's not about any individual. It's, it's definitely a team approach. And, and we've got some great guys and girls that, you uh, you know, they're putting together, you know, a, a brand that we think can be one of the, the biggest motorsports properties on the count, you know, on the, you know, you know, on the planet. So last season, I know I was told by a few different people that supercars were meant to return. Well, what happened there? 
Yeah, I mean, we we absolutely had the intention. I mean, we ran them in the first two rounds of the of the championship. I think the the reality is, you know, there's just not as many supercars around uh, anymore, and and we saw the appetite for those. You know, any driver that came to the table with you know with budget or you know intention was had an intention to race in the in the electric series. Um, you know, we we love the sound. You know, it's you know the sounds, and you know, and we like having the the supercars. You know, as part of our series, but. The reality was the appetite and the sort of the interest level from you know from the from the industry was not there for supercars. Um, you know, it's it's sad, and I, I see our social accounts and I see our fans talk about how bringing supercars back. The reality is the the cost of running a supercar is significantly more expensive than running the electric cars. Um, you know, the I guess the reliability, the turnaround, you know, the cost of maintenance, you know, of supercars are also significantly more expensive. Um, so we. Yeah, the, it, it happened quicker than we thought. You know, we you know we had every intention to run supercars throughout last season and and you know potentially even this season, depending on the the appetite. But the the reality was it it wasn't there. Um, you know, Subaru and the, the Vermont team you know planned to run here, and and there was no other supercars actually in the U.S. market. You know, every other supercar was based over in Europe. Um, so. You know, with the the way of the world and the cost of shipping and logistics at the time, uh, you know that made it, it harder for those guys to run those cars. And as I said before, you know the the drivers that were traditionally in that level, you know were were had moved to to the electric class. You know, obviously our all of our field who had all had you know uh, backgrounds in in the supercar class were now in electric. And I think if you look over at you know in Europe, a lot of the you know the the Hansons and you know you know Johan Christofferson. Nicholas Gronholm were racing electric over there as well. So the yeah, the shift had, had happened probably quicker than I think anyone had predicted. But um but yeah, that's the that's sort of the the plan behind, you know, the, the background behind it. Again, it's not a it wasn't like we were trying to force supercars out of the the you know, our our events, far from it. It was just the you know, the the entries were were just not there. So group B we've talked about quite a bit. How how fun was it to have the NRX next series last season as well as cross cars and such. Yeah, I think it goes back to my point before around, you know, our events are it's a festival of motorsports, you know, when we come out, you know, we've got we've got Group E and that is our, you know, our, our top billing on you know on our on our schedule. And that's where our our pot level drivers are. But equally, you know, if you don't have a development sort of pipeline coming through, then you know you don't really have a, a strong future. And yeah, you know, the next series, uh, you know, is is something where we're continuing to work on. It's not where we want it to be just yet either, but it's important for us. You know, a both from a pipeline and 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 sort of B from you know the, some of the racing in the next series last year was some of the best racing on the track. Um, I've got some great young drivers in there. You know, some we'll have some new faces and some announcements in that space here in the next couple of couple of days leading into Oklahoma, but. Um, yeah, the next class is very important for us, and it's a yeah, it's a genuine stepping stone into into Group E. Likewise, the side by side class, you know, there was you know, if you look at some of the races last year, the roster of drivers that were going through side by sides. You know, again, Travis was racing there, but Brian Deegan, you know, our champion, Gregory Michaud. Um, you know, and then we had this you know the celebrity classes coming through there. You know, celebrity drivers. No, I shouldn't say celebrity drivers because these drivers are you know they're legitimate drivers, and they were this is their entry into you know, into our world of racing, but, you know, Leticia Buffoni, you know, the 
you know, world champion skateboarder and, you know, and you had, you know, people like Leah Block coming in and you had Parks Peak champion in, in Robin Shute in the series, you know, the young 13-year-old, you know, Ben Mayer, you know, coming in and taking on Travis and challenging him to $1,000 bets and, and beating him type thing. And the, you know, that class became very popular very quickly. You know, Amanda Sorensen was in there, you know, who's now racing in Extreme E. There's some, you know, some great names and great drivers, great personalities, um, yeah, and it's a it's a big category. The the side by side in the UTV market is a is a huge category that you know that we want to uh, to be involved with. And then you know it wouldn't be Nitro without having our influencer base racing. So you know the Baja Bugs, which are the the Class Eleven Beetles, and and our Van Pre racing as well. We want to have fun. You know, it's we you know we don't take ourselves too seriously. You know, we want as I said, it's yes, it's about the racing. We've got to have a great sort of championship level series but at the same time when when someone's sitting in the in the stands and and paying their hard-earned money to come and watch an event they got to have a good time and and you know when the group e cars are recharging being worked on you know we want to fill the fill the track with great entertainment and and have those people around the paddock so you know the baja bugs and the and the the van pre just adds to that nitro f- you know flair around the series that you wouldn't see anywhere else in the world in motorsports so you mentioned earlier about rumble how did the thing with Rumble come about for this season? Yeah, I think yeah, you know, we've got they're a great partner. I mean, we're and we're looking forward to launching there. I think a couple of the key things there is yeah, you know, we want to have a single source destination. We've got drivers from all around the world and you know, we've got some great broadcast partners around the world, but when we're trying to market and drive tune in, when you're marketing you know, 15, 16, 20 different you know, broadcasters around the world. At different time zones and and different you know different drivers are pushing different angles. It's hard to sort of consolidate that that audience. Uh, so Rumble does that for us. Yeah, and and I think the fact that it's live and it's free, there's no paywalls, there's no subscriptions. Anyone can tune in and watch our races live at any time. Is something we've always aimed for. Um, you know, and, and Rumble's a great platform. With obviously our investment group have have been heavily involved and and. Uh, and you know, had a great experience with those guys. You know, with the power slap property, with um, you know, with you, you know, UFC's got some great content on there as well. And then you know, we have our our street league skateboarding property, which had its first event or first two events on on the platform, and the numbers have been you know very impressive. So yeah, we're excited about it. It's 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 a different change from working with a traditional streamer um, that you know Peacock that we've worked with in the past, but. We think Rumble's a, a great partner for us, and um, you know, I think more than anything that it's not going to cost our, our fans a you know a single penny to to tune in and watch the events, and and it's all live and free is is the main aim. So, how did the Group E cars come about? Yeah, I mean, it's that's been one that's almost from the the very beginning of, you know, where we sort of came up with the concept for the series, you know, we've been working with all the, you know, the leading manufacturers around the world and, you know, electric, you know, is, was very clear that's where they're all going. And obviously, you know, as, as time has passed, very clear that's where they all have gone. Um, you know, and you're going to look at the, the roster of vehicles that have, are rolling out from, you know, all the manufacturers, you know, very, you know, EV based and also, you know, not only just the EV side of things, but also the the style, the body style. So the SUV, you know, crossover utility vehicle, you know, body shape. So we knew from the outset where we wanted to be and 
part of the whole concept of you know coming up with this series was was collaboration with all the key stakeholders and that's drivers that's teams that's manufacturers that's broadcasters that's tracks so you know before we we went into this a number of years ago like we went and spoke to all of them it wasn't like we're going to put this series on and we hope people come along for the ride you know, we've been working and we still are you know on a daily basis working with you know manufacturers and 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 that space around you know and then those those groups sorry around you know around this space um so you know the 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 group e or the fc1x was it was concepted with you know andreas ericsson and and the first corner team um which was you know a combination between the omse you know team that have built you know a lot of the great supercars and, and vehicles over the years and then obviously qev on the the electrical powertrain side of things who, you know, were, were heavily behind the, the Formula E powertrain, you know, when it, uh, when it kicked off. So we had great partners and, you know, we, it, the process took a long time. I mean, again, with COVID in the middle of that and some supply chain issues, you know, coming up with a car that could, you know, could do what it's, you know, it's proved to do is, was a challenge. And, you know, a lot of credit to, to Andreas Ericsson who, who really led the charge on that project. Um, you know, and, and a lot of the, you know, the development of that car is, is you know credit to him because he you know he was a guy who who really took the bull by the horns and and brought the whole concept to life but um you know it, it took a long time but we knew we had to go electric you know there's, there was too many sort of factors and sort of trends that that you know told us that we had to go that way and um i think we've been really impressed with you know i said we're only one season in but to a person i think everyone has been blown away with the performance of that of that car, you know, the speed, the, you know, the handling, the, the technology, the, you know, the maintenance side of things, the cost of operation has been, has been first class. So you mentioned Festival Motorsports a couple of times now. Um, what else is changing from an off-track perspective about the Nitro Cross weekends? Yeah, I think for those that were at Glen Helen, I think that was a, you know, for the finale, that was you know, a good sort of starting point, what what you'll see there. So, you know, live music, you know, Nitro Circus, you know, shows and exhibitions at those events, you know, great activations with our partners and sponsors, um, tailgating our RV village. You know, a lot of these tracks, you know, the reality of, you know, the space we need, these tracks are not always in the in the middle of a city. So, you know, when we get people out there and, and they're spending five, six hours, we're going to make that, you know, a good use of their time and, and good value for money. So, you know, food trucks, you know, beer gardens, we're trying to make it a, a destination where you can go with a group of, you know, friends or you can go with a family and, and have a great time. Uh, and we'll continue to double down on that going into this season. Um, you know, night racing is another, another piece that we're working heavily on. You know, I think our product last year, at the race that we ran undernight, it was you know it was an elevated experience, and and we're looking to uh, you know to improve and in, increase that again. The night racing was super fun last year. Like it was something I hadn't ever seen, and it made for some really beautiful pictures, especially in Arizona. Yeah, it did. I think it did twofold. I think it, a you know the you know the images and everything that came out of that were great, but it also from a track point of view, you know we've we've got a lot of you know heavy dirt tracks um at the moment still you know in, in the development and and they will continue to evolve but you know the just the climate and the you know with the temperature and the moisture and things it it also provides different racing and as i said before when we were when you look at somewhere like phoenix as an example which was the first one we did depending on we did a you know a couple of twilight races we did day races 
the evolution of the track between day and night were literally day and night. You know, we had joker laps that went from from slower to faster and then back to slower. And you know, so it it creates another you know level of complexity and and strategy for the for the teams and drivers. And that's that's a good thing. I mean, some would would argue, I'm sure if you're sitting here with a team spotter or an engineer, they'd probably challenge me on that. But yeah, I think the you know the um yeah, you know, the uncertainty of racing and and keeping drives on their toes and and making the racing interesting every time the the light goes green is is a good thing from a from a fan base point of view. So, will there be more night racing this season? Or yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're intending more more night racing this year. So um, our experience last year was was great. I think you know responded you know the crowds were were fantastic around those events and uh yeah you know, i think i said the you know the benefits for the track and the racing and yeah you know, the in some respects the imagery is is a is a byproduct of that but it's you know it's it's a it's a good byproduct um you know some of some of my favorite images and collections from last year were you know were some of those sunsets over the the mountain ranges behind the you know the phoenix track and and we want to see more of that so and too with like the with the night racing i talked with oliver erickson about this as well it made um like it makes for a really good thing especially for european people where at night for most european countries if you race to a certain point at night it's early in the morning for them which means they can catch part of a round yeah, I mean it's it's all another factor and consideration as well. Yeah, it's trying to find the, the you know, is that with I remember one day Andreas Backrud and he's got obviously a huge Nordic audience that follows him and and you know, we're trying to work with with drivers like that as well. You know, it's half our field is you know European based right now. So yeah, we want to make sure that that works for them. It's you know, again, it's it's just one of the factors into the scheduling piece. Um it goes back to our rumble discussion as well. You know, the the beauty of Rumble is, you know, where it's a single source destination for that for that content. So it doesn't matter if it's Andreas Bakarud or you know Connor Martel, you know, they're all pointing to the same direction to tune in. And if if the time zones work for both audiences, that's a that's a great thing. And and you know, we want more of that. Yeah, you know, we want we want bigger audiences. I think we've got a, we've got a great product here. You know, our biggest challenge we need more people to see it, and that's our that's our focus here is, you know, getting more, more eyeballs on the, on the racing, on the broadcast, you know, and, and sitting in the seats at our events. And that's why too, like so far I've taken a huge, huge amount of time covering even just driver announcements because giving people a place to find all that stuff besides your guys' socials and being able to, explain a bit more is also a really nice way to grow the sport as well yeah no we appreciate it i mean we want you know again we hope as a series we're sort of seen as open and collaborative you know with with everyone people like yourselves you know journalists broadcasters influencers you know fans themselves you know we want you know we want more people um you know engaging with the series that's as I said before you know this sport and this property gets bigger by by you know bigger reach and more eyeballs and more people talking about it. So, you know, we, we don't want to be closed shop. You know, we, you know, we want to open the doors and, and let as many people experience the sport, because I think what we've seen, you know, over the last you know, 12, 24 months is that once people get exposed to the sport, they're blown away. You know, it's, you know, I've seen so many people walk into the track and the first time they see a, a car jumper 
you know, 100 feet through the air and then, you know, drift around a huge bank corner, you know, their their eyes light up and, and we want more people to have that experience, be that live in person or, you know, on broadcast. Yeah, and that's the fun part about Nitro. And like I said before, no, you, you can't predict it heading into the, into an event. Anything's possible. The guy who placed last the round before could win the event outright. It's you never know heading into an event. Yeah, it's exactly right. I mean, we've introduced in the last 12 months the sports betting piece as well. And obviously, you know, it's coming into all sports around the world and particularly here in the US. And you know, when the the guys are setting the odds, it's it's a very hard job. I mean, I actually you know, wouldn't envy that that role at all because the variability in the you know, in the odds making in a in a world like this is is extremely hard. Obviously, in a in a series that's only relatively new, but also just the you know this is not Formula One and and Max Verstappen's you know almost guaranteed to win, and you know the odds are very very slim. I mean, you said it yourself. You know, you have a, a driver that finishes you know dead last the one weekend uh, you know coming out and 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 winning the next week. And I mean, it, it happened last year. Travis Pastrana missed the final in missed the final in Sweden. Uh, one in ERX, you know, missed the final in Glen Helen, one in Phoenix. Uh, you know, that's the, you know, Travis is actually the the best example of that, you know, um, you know, in our series. So I know like the nitro cross tracks, like I've described them as kind of if motocross tracks and rally cross tracks had a baby. Is that an accurate way of describing it? I think so. Yeah. I mean, as I said, you know, it's, as Travis says, this is motorsport with a roll cage and, and our tracks definitely, I mean, Travis's background is, is motocross. That's who he's, you know, he made a career as, as one of the best motocross riders in the world. And there's no doubt that some of that inspiration is coming to, you know, to our tracks, you know, on, on a nitro cross side of things. And I remember the first year we went to, to Utah and he had a, a whoop section in the back of the, in the back straight of the track and, you know, the drivers and you know, Matthias Ekstrom and Timmy Hansen, when they turn up, it's like they'd never seen anything like it in the world where you've got, you know, sort of, you know, uh, you know, you know uh, offset whoop section. So you've got cars bouncing left and right. But it, again, it, it, it challenged the drivers that depending on which lane you took, um, you may have a, a faster, you know, faster lane, but you take more risk, or you might have a slow lane, but you take, um, you take less risk. And, you know, it's just unique. And I think, that's Travis plan here. I mean, it also goes within reason, you know, we need to build tracks that, you know, are, are built for these vehicles, um, you know, built into the landscape and and built to provide good racing. But, um, but yeah, there's a, there's an absolutely a, you know, a, a strong influence from the motocross world into, into what we do. So you mentioned Timmy Hansen there, they competed in the inaugural season of nitro cross during the covid year how big was it to have them in the championship yeah we love the hansons i mean they're not only great people but but also great racers um you know we'd love to see them back in our series and i was only texting with with kevin hansen a couple of weeks ago when travis and i were sitting at, at the airport in las vegas you know sort of asking him to to come back i mean they're great races, right? Their their credentials, their their results speak for themselves. And you know, we were very privileged to have them. You know, Timmy was one of the first Timmy and Matthias Ekstrom were the first two European drivers to sign up for for Nitro Rallycross back when we did our first event in, in 2018. And then Kevin joined the next year and 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 obviously 
you know, had the win there and we went for a period of time, even now in our first race of our, our first season, you know, uh, you know, they won again. And, and I think we were, they were three from three for a period of time there. And as Travis said, you know, no one from Sweden's invited back anymore because they were taking all the, uh, all, all the positions on the podium, but, um, but they, they're great, great people. They're a great team. I said, their, their results and their, you know, their, their performances, you know, a testament to just the, the professionalism and, you know, we get an opportunity for those guys to come back in the series. Um, you know, we'll be, you know, we'll be very welcoming to, to bring them back in. So 2019 saw Scott Speed break his back off of a jump in in Utah. How big of an eye-opener was that for the championship? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We don't want to see any driver get any injury whatsoever. Um, obviously, definitely not to the scale of what what Scott had, and and that was a it was a huge shame. And again, that's a there's learnings from that, you know, um, you know, and it's hard it's, it's a hard one because we obviously across the weekend we'd seen drivers hit that same section of the track multiple multiple times, and you know, without issue. And yeah, that's I guess I guess that's sort of motorsport in the world we're in is that sometimes it can take a freak accident or a freak landing or a position that, that creates an issue like that. But, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, Scott bounced back. He was, you know, great in that series. And as I said before, in that first full season, um, or, you know, five, you know, the five race season, you know, end up finishing equal on points with Travis in the, in the series. So, you know, he did a great job to bounce back and, you know, he's another driver that, you know, we can't wait to have back in the series sooner rather than later. I'm hoping to see Scott back at some point because he's a really good driver. Yeah, I think we all are. I mean, he's he's a great driver. He's a great character. You know, we're that's I think that's the other thing about our series and and from an entertainment point of view, we want we want characters and you know, throughout that whole season, the Scott Speed Kevin Erickson rivalry was was something that I think everyone enjoyed both on the track and off it. Um so you know. Yeah, you know, having Scott back in the series, a again from his driving credentials, but also from you know just with the characteristics and the paddock and and you know just the the level of professionalism from someone like Scott is is something we're looking for as well. Thank you for listening to the Into the Dust podcast, hosted by Joe Moore, presented by Belly Up Sports.